This episode of the VirtuCast is brought to you by the new Microsoft Surface Pro 6. It's light, super fast, and has great battery life. So you can work how you want for as long as you want, wherever work takes you. Get more power and more speed with the new Surface Pro 6. Hello, and welcome to the VirtuCast, the flagship podcast of technology. Ooh, Amazing. all of technology. The whole thing. The whole thing. I'm Neil. I'm your friend. I just want you to remember that in your heart. I'm going to challenge you, though, as your friend on the show today. Dieter Bone is here. I'm your compatriot. I don't like it when Dieter talks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dami Lee is here. Hi, Dami. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. This is my Vergecast debut. Is what? it really? It is. No. No, it is. Wow. Believe me. Dami's a superstar on The Verge. We've hosted like the Circuit Breaker show together. Yeah. That's I why miss I didn't that. think about it. I really we, miss it. We've done so many shows together. Yeah. And then Dan is here. Hi, Dan. I'm here. Oh, wow. You don't get a, you don't get a last name. <laughs> Dan Seifert is here. I am the only Dan on our staff. That's true. I'm gonna call, Dan, I'm going to call you out right now and make you uncomfortable. Dan is running our CES coverage. He's CES uh, dad. Yeah. He's the dad uh, yeah, of CES. CES dad is better. Because like, there's actually other people that are running it, but like, no, I, no, like, you're running it. I like yell at people to go places. You're, you're Dan like, 100% like, reminded me to pee a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's our second episode of the Vergecast at CES. Today we're going to talk about the Google Assistant. There's tons of Google news. We're going to talk about a bunch of wacky gadgets and laptops that came out at CES. And then I'm going to yell at Dieter about 5G. Uh, but a lot of news. So we got to talk about Google Assistant. Yep. Google made a bunch of news today. There's a million gadgets to talk about, including a bunch of laptops. We've been kind of paying more attention to creator tools at CES this year, much like tablets and drawing tools to talk about. And then, of course, Verizon had its keynote today. Five G. We're at the sea of Verizon. <laughs> is, is it true? He pronounces it five G. <laughs> so technically, maybe it's different than five G. Ooh. I don't. I think that's just his accent. But <laughs> there's some stuff to talk about in the five uh, G universe, which is interesting. But let's start uh, actually with Apple one more time, <laughs> just for a moment. Step. Okay. For, th- for thirty seconds, I want to talk about Apple. Tim Cook went uh, on TV today. Went on CNBC today. Talked to Jim Cramer. Uh, Mad money. Uh, and said, conclusively, Apple will announce new services this year. Tim Cook to Jim Cramer. Yeah. Maybe that's iMessage on Android. I don't think it's iMessage. But <laughs> given what we talked about yesterday on the show, what we, all the news we've seen, Apple working very hard with TV makers, mm-hmm. it is fairly conclusive now that the Apple TV service, which is the next logical service for them to announce, given they've spent billions of dollars. Yeah on content creation for TV, it seems very conclusive that Apple's going to launch a TV service this year. Yep, for sure. And like the only question is, the other, one of the posts that went up today, um, uh, we put up the post of, here are all the TVs that support AirPlay. And it's like relatively short. Mm-hmm. And it, it became very clear. And Neil and I both tweeted the same thing. And then I got mad at him for tweeting like two minutes before I did because I, I had thought of it first. I just don't type as fast as he does. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, so my ideas are superior. It is... Too short a list to support a grand TV and movie service from Apple. Yeah. yeah. And it's all high-end stuff. Yeah. And as we learned yesterday, somebody was saying, who was saying during one of their conferences? TCL was saying that 99% of TVs are sold under $2,000. TCL, also the company that announced that uh, contrast in a TV is the frosting. Yes. On a cake. Contrast is cake. So uh, I don't know if they're but the aware point is, of what they're saying. All of the TVs that are in that list that Dina mentioned, you can go check it out on the site because uh, I don't remember all of them. But they're all pretty high end. They're all brand new. The only ones that go back a couple of years are Vizio's models, which date back to two, uh, 2017. Um, so, yeah, these aren't the TVs that most people have. And if you just look at the numbers, 
something between 35 and 40 million TVs are sold a year and they don't have all of them. Right. So like, yeah, not all for in, just in the United States. So not all 35 to 40 million TVs in the United States will have Apple services on them just by definition, like no Roku TVs, which are some of the best selling TVs in the country yeah. are going to have these services. So the end of the story is that right now, as you are listening to this, Johnny Ive is sitting in a room at Apple Park in the giant spaceship campus and they've closed all the shades and they've turned on a beautiful high-end TV and on that beautiful high-end TV is Roku. <laughs> and Johnny Ive is looking at and giving design notes on an Apple TV service Roku app. Yeah. Just imagine that for a moment. Imagine him. Imagine Johnny Ive holding that weird ass purple remote <laughs> with the fucking little loop on the yeah, side yeah. of it and the headphone jack on the bottom, the headphone jack on the on and, the remote. And, and don't forget the Netflix and HBO and Hulu buttons on it. And the Hulu I totally use those. Just kidding. And the crackle button. Johnny Ive is holding a remote in his hand right now with a crackle button on it. I mean, incredible. That's what's happening. Right, that there's there's no other way they hit the scale they need. They need they need they need to get on Amazon. They need to be everywhere. Well, I mean, like if they add AirPlay two to it, then they bypass the app problem, right? Because uh, then you use your phone and you cast. Sure. So and I, I use a very shady app that mirrors. I have a Roku. Yeah. And it mirrors my MacBook. It cost me ten dollars. I think it's called like Roku Mirror, and they have it for like all these different apps. Um, it's very laggy. Um, like I'll hit the play button, and then five seconds later, it plays on the TV. Yeah, yeah. But it works for me. Like after I switched to a MacBook Pro, I lost my um, HDMI cable port, so I had to improvise. And I was like, "What's what's on the App Store? Let's see." And then there it was, and it works for me. So yeah, wow. yeah. I think some people do it, and like the AirPlay to HomeKit, you can be like, "Hey Siri, play this thing." Presumably that will work, but. I don't know, we had the CEO of Roku on the Roachest last year, and I was like, why is your stuff ugly? And he's like, because people don't care. <laughs> and like that co that combination of like question and is answer. Is that really what he said? No, or did no, he like No, he was he was very much like, look, at the end of the day, people just want the video to play. Yeah. And like I, this I is honestly... what people are used to with Roku, and we're like sticking with it, and like the hardware is cheap, and we're not gonna overdo it. And like I don't care. all of yeah. those all of those ideas are the opposite of Apple, which is like our office is a circle yep. and we built a garden and you can't, you don't know that you're in a city and also like we, here's this theater that we only use for big events. And when we have other events, we rent Brooklyn yeah. because we want to preserve how special the theater is in the middle of, this Apple, is all true. This in is the like middle of think. Apple park. They have a, a reflection pool that is perfectly exactly circular, like down to the like the millimeter. And it's I like that we keep comparing their billion dollar office building to, to Roku. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the pool is only like, you know, six inches deep or something, right? Because it's a reflecting pool. And it's weird if there's no wind because it's too flat and you want a little bit of movement in the water. So they built a crazy plunger in the middle of the reflecting pool that goes whoom, Is this whoom, true? Whoom. Yes. That goes whoom, whoom. Is it, like, this is true. A manhole-sized plunger in the middle of the reflecting pool that's designed to just sort of Wait, move up and down. Is this about, true? Yes. Move up and down about 12 inches, maybe a little less. Dude, just, I've been drinking. You could say anything you want. Is this true? It's a million percent true. I kid you not. They built. They put a HomePod subwoofer in the middle of the reflecting pool. There is a plunger pool. in the middle okay. of the reflecting pool. I said pool we were only going to take 30 seconds on this. That makes, makes ripples so that it doesn't look too creepy. We landed on the ripple plunger at Apple Park. And that company needs to make a Roku app. 
<laughs> just go look at a Roku and just imagine Johnny Ive looking at a Roku and being like, I will make software for this platform. Anyway, that's happening. Tim Cook said it today. We talked about it a lot yesterday. Dieter, you spent a lot of time talking to Google. I did. Uh, about Assistant, what mm -hmm. they're doing. Mm -hmm. Today is the first day the show floor is open here. The yep. Google house is open. Everyone's been walking through it. There's a small world ride. It's very jarring. Have you gone on it? I actually haven't. I've <sighs> only seen the the videos the 360 online. 360 video, yeah. But there's a really long line to get in, and I don't feel like waiting. This isn't Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> also, it broke down for a minute today. <gasps> yes, so it did. did you get stuck, stuck in there? I did not get stuck <laughs> in the Google ride. Uh, but we're going tomorrow, because uh, why'd you push that button? Is taping at the Google stage tomorrow, so we're going to try going on it. But you spent time with them talking actually about Assistant. Yes. Where it's, what's happening? Uh, they have today announced something on the order of like 12 or 15 things. And I'm, I'm like not going to remember everything, but it, it, you can Google Assistant on Dish Hopper. They have a new thing called Google Assistant Connect where they want to make uh, accessories that are relatively cheap that can be commanded by the Google Assistant, like e-ink displays or buttons like Alexa buttons or like smart clocks like the Alexa smart clock. Basically, there's no way to talk about it without saying like Alexa. Uh, they're doing all that. They have a new alarm clock that's like the Echo Spot. Uh, it's a cute little <laughs> Lenovo alarm clock that is small and can, and it also will like turn bright in the morning to wake you up before it makes noise. They, man, I just, there's so much stuff. They reaffirmed their commitment to working on Sonos. We saw the demo. We went. So Google Assistant on Sonos works. We heard it. Yeah. Kind of saw it. It's a little buggy still. It's only in beta. They're not giving us a date. There's no date. They refuse to give us a date because the last time they tried that, they they, they just didn't hit it. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of insanely nerdy details about what made it take so long. I don't know if they're It seems like the one detail that we did here, which is really interesting, is a Google Assistant device. Google designs like the whole thing. So that in particular, what they design is the microphones and how the microphones work, and how the audio from the two microphones gets sent to the Google Cloud, and then Google thinks about how to detect a voice. Like, a lot of stuff that happens very fast is very impressive if you yeah. just like, abstract from the, whatever is happening. Sonos built their own microphones and their own voice detection algorithms and their own beamforming, and so Google was like, we had to be okay with that. And it really feels like the main thing that happened was like Google went to therapy <laughs> to be like, this is fine. This is a relationship. Yeah. They're going to be different than me. Sometimes we don't both want to stay out all night. Yeah, but they're not so happy with it. They're willing to have both Alexa and Google hot words be active on the same speaker at the same time. Yeah. Like that is that is That's a bridge too far. super annoying. Is it? Yes. So who, here, who here's both? Sonos' you, reason do you that you don't want it. You are sitting in your home and your Sonos speaker starts going, eh, 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 and both you and somebody else in your home don't know why it's making that noise. And you need to tell it to stop. Do you say, hey, Google, stop? Or do you say, Alexa, stop? Because if you get it wrong, it keeps going, eh, eh, eh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? And not only do you, do does it keep making that noise, that. it also you have to hear the wrong assistant say, I don't understand while it keeps making that noise. That's the argument against it. All right. I don't agree with it. I don't know if I fully agree with it. Cause I think that's a super niche case. Is and it like, and like an edge case? Yeah. Yeah. Why is it beeping in the first place? Cause you asked it to t set an alarm. Or a but timer. who did you ask? Well, but you asked 
Alexa, but I don't know that. And oh. so I walk in the room because the thing is making noise and you're off somewhere else in the world. This implies so much. It yeah, implies, like for example, like, yeah, you've got a roommate, you've got a house, you're setting timers. Like, I have a house you're organized. <laughs> home. Yeah, right? like, you're organized enough to know that something should happen at a certain time from now. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. That's a lot to ask just in general. Google also announced Samsung yeah. TV integration. So now you can get a Samsung TV that has AirPlay and Bixby and Google and Alexa, I believe. Yeah. You can, the Samsung TV will literally do everything. Are those all active at the same time? I don't know. Well, and the, no, so, so some, so there's works those, with versus yeah, works on. It doesn't, yeah, the, on the Samsung TV, only Bixby is there on the TV itself. But if you have a Google Home or if you have an Echo in your house, you can talk to those mm. devices to control the TV. Oh. Right. They made a KitchenAid display that you can run under the faucet if that's a thing you want to do. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I mean, like, that makes sense. The smart displays, the biggest pitch for them is, like, throw them in the kitchen. So, you know, yeah. make it We make have it an Echo show in our kitchen. Uh, potentially that's the- actually where we set all of our timers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're aware that we should ask Alexa to stop them. Uh-huh. We don't just yell random names to stop our timers. But you might. If what if what if what if it also supported Bixby and Siri and everything else? If there are like eight assistants on your speaker, you'd never know which one. Well, I think to. Bixby should stop in general. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay. Well, he's uh, issues. Man, I, there's more uh, interpreter mode. So you can now use a Google Home <laughs> or any smart display device to do translation. For Were you. any of you there when Shannon made her video? I was not, unfortunately. Okay, so we may have it. You should go watch it on YouTube. It's a good video. It's Shan Lau who uh, speaks Mandarin. So like she was like out speaking Chinese to the, and then there's a, a person who's dressed as a bellhop. And I just like, <laughs> did she locate a bellhop? Wait, an actual bellhop? Like the great Budapest? Yeah. The grand like, he's like, yeah. Hotel. It's like a very formal hotel uniform. Uh-huh. And they're just discussing. This is a Googler. I don't no, know. Okay. A hotel employee. A- oh. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like a remarkable video. Like everyone should watch this video. And I just haven't seen Shannon or anybody in our video team. Like we've all been busy today. So I was like watching this video in a cab and I was like, did we travel back in time to the forties <laughs> to do this Google interpreter video? Cause it it's a vi- you should watch it. Okay. It did it medium job. Yeah. Uh-huh. It it thought it, it thought I'm allergic to shrimp meant like I like sand. Yeah. Which seems dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the, I mean, on the like, scale of not, things that could exclu- kill you. They're not exclusionary. You could. Uh, you Google Assistant now can uh, let you use your voice to reply to more apps than it did before. So it used to just be like Android Easy Autoplay now can do more deep replies. And it will add punctuation without you having to say the word comma or period. And so the question becomes, will the Google Assistant add a period to your texts? Yeah, that oh, will ruin my personal that's brand. That's making you sound that's, curt. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or like... I don't even like it when it auto capitalizes things. Yeah. yeah. Like I will, I will, if I voice dictate a text and it's capitalized, I will move that cursor back and change the capitalization. Really? Yeah. You want You're to sound right. like a fun, chill dad. Yeah. Yeah. You got, <laughs> you you got, got roasted just brand. now, Dan. Yeah. Papa, Papa, Papa's don't capitalize. Just, listen, <laughs> listen, this is just, this did is you just go to the happens. bathroom? I get roasted. Did you eat a, did you eat a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> in like lowercase to make you seem chill? <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, no, the biggest news of all, which doesn't seem like it, but I think it is the most important news, is Google Maps' uh, trend of running everything inside Google Maps continues. Now, you can not only text inside Google Google Maps, you can now use the Google Assistant inside Google Maps. And here's why I think this matters. How many iPhone owners have actually installed the Google Assistant app? One, it's me. It's one. It's, it's one. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Neil Ipatel. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, of those who have done it, uh, how many used it uh, two days after they installed it? 
I'm going to go with zero. Yeah. If I'm the only right? one, then yeah. I, I can conclusively How many iPhone owners have installed Google Maps? How many of them use it when they drive? Like Google has basically taken the assistant and made a whole bunch of iPhone users have this thing in front of them when they drive all the time now. And they're going to push it pretty aggressively because everything at Google Maps is pretty aggressive and kind of annoying right now. And they're going to get more adoption of the Google Assistant inside Google Maps because they've put it inside Maps on the iPhone. So you can do things like we were, we were actually playing with it tonight. Um, it already started rolling out. You can mm -hmm. use it now. Uh, and you can say, like, find me a gas station on my route or what's the nearest gas station on my route, which seems like something you can Google play Maps music. should have you already can play podcasts. Done. Like that's, um, yeah. But yeah, it's there. But you can it play does the little four dots. podcasts mm -hmm. within Google Maps. Yeah, huh. within Google Maps. You ask a Google Assistant to play a podcast, and it'll go to Google Podcasts in the cloud via Google yeah. Assistant, and then the Google Assistant will playing the podcast inside Google Maps. Like, Google Maps has become the new Android. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> You're laughing, but it's true, and it's awful. Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's the product. It is, kind of awful. <laughs> is it? I mean, it kind of also implies that I'll still use a voice assistant, which I won't. So, I oh. mean, yeah. but you don't, you, you live in New York. You don't drive. Okay. Yeah. Would you did, have a voice assistant in your house? I don't. And Would you ever? No, I deliberately don't. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've seen all those articles about like the mysterious uh, uh, laughing Alexa, and I just don't need that in my life. I'm paranoid <laughs> enough as is. So. Like, how. How much utility would you have to get out of you? Like, I for think if I did drive, then I think that might be useful. Like, I'm driving and I want to listen to a podcast. Like, then I can see myself using that, but definitely not in my house. Like, if I'm in my house, like, I'll use my hands to do things. Like, I don't like asking an app to do another thing for me. Like, I'll just do it directly. Meanwhile, the idea that I could use my voice to like set a timer for two minutes is enough for me to give up all of my privacy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, I want both of them running at the same time. I want to give away my privacy to two yeah. at the same time. No, I mean all I of my that. kitchen appliances are dirty because <laughs> <laughs> my hands are like dirty. And I'll just like press the buttons, whatever, and like get yeah. drunk all over it. But yeah. I will say that some voice control is so Dan was making fun of me earlier because like I insist or was it you? Someone was making fun of me because I, I put Cavo like remote controls in my parents' house and it's like a little buggy and my wife definitely texted me today and was like, the TV breaks every time you leave the house. <laughs> but it's great because I, I installed beta software on my products, which is like <laughs> fundamentally the problem. But I put it in my parents' house and so they get to say, like, turn on the TV to NBC and then it will like do a whole bunch of stuff and then NBC will just like be on the TV. Yeah, like five minutes later, but yes. <laughs> You know, get a cup of coffee, sit down, you know, settle in. Um, I think that is like remarkably effective if you don't know how to use the stuff, right? If you're, if like, if you're not the kind of person who like wants to like sit there and monkey with apps or understand how a Roku interface works, or this is this is where I have to say that's the exact pitch that Samsung has for Bixby. Yeah. yeah. And like it's a good idea. It's, I mean, Bixby is not a great execution. But here's the but problem: Bixby is the only assistant who's okay. not invited on a, on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> turning on NBC on a TV with multiple gadgets is like a six of difficulty, right? Now, no, no, just with your standard setup of like how many remotes do you have? What's your cable box input on the TV? Call it a six. Mm -hmm. Like, just stay with me. The setup you're describing. What is the top of the scale? Is it ten? Ten. Okay. Yeah, the setup you're describing is like a three. But between six and three to set to set up turn on NBC is a nine point nine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. True. And like everybody that wants to get to the three has to go through nine point nine or have a son named Neil Patel who will do it for them. 
That's the problem with all of the smart assistant stuff. Trying to find the right setting in Google you Assistant know, way, or Google son, Home is you don't, impossible. A, first of all, you don't have to have a son, <laughs> and that son does not have to share my name. It's just a child. <laughs> Just, I just want to put that out there. Like, um, the um, necessary um. condition is not that you have a boy child with my name. It's just a child. Uh, you know, there's a service. I don't know where this is. Boychildaymeli.com. No, there's like, a, there's, like a, a, there's literally like an Uber for grandkids. Okay. Uh, where like older people get to like push a button and like, like a younger person show? comes to their house and like does stuff. It's, tr- it's a true story. So you're right about the 9.9, but the dream is you walk into your house and you say, turn on the playoffs. Yeah. And it doesn't even know if you're talking about the football playoffs, the NBA playoffs, like whatever. It's just like kind of knows what you want and like a bunch of stuff happens. I think Google is way closer to that than Amazon. Yeah. But Google is also the, the reason that I am not like hundred percent. Yeah. Google is going to win this is Google is so thirsty. They're like, they're tr- they're so try hard at CES. They build a giant booth with a ride, a small world ride, and they're like, they covered the monorail and they're ah, look at us. Where Amazon quietly, like, sure, they're a hundred million versus Google's billion, but Google's billion doesn't count because it's just phones in terms of no- numbers of devices. Amazon's just like quietly, like, yeah, everything works with us and we don't care and we'll do whatever you want and it's fine. And here's a here's a chip that you can buy for three cents that'll make Alexa work with your thing, right? They're just. Amazon is quietly everywhere, and it's, that's a way more confident move. Like the that then Google just like look at us. I did see a, a little bit of Amazon presence on the show floor today. And oh really? It was in the form of a banana stand. Nice. They were literally like just giving out the blues. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're here. Yeah, the blues were here. <laughs> they were literally just giving out bananas, and it had an Amazon sticker on it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, you can extend that data to what you were saying about how Google's thirsty and Amazon's quiet into how these assistants actually are behaving in your home and, and how you use them. You, If you live with both of them and use both of them for a lot of the same things, you'll find that it's a lot easier to command Alexa for everyday things like turning lights on and like controlling music and things like that. And just it just kind of does word doesn't it. suck or what? The hot word doesn't suck. It doesn't always respond back to you with like, okay, turning seven lights on. It just goes ding and the lights come on, right? right. Like, whereas Google, it's like you got to say Google every time. It's got to respond back to you every time. It's just a very like thirsty and like kind of like frustrating thing to have to deal with when you're using these over and over and over again, really integrating them into your life. So like, even though I agree with Neli that Google has more of the pieces to make this happen, it's more pleasant using Alexa most yeah. of the time. So like Google doesn't have the user experience down yet. But they do have the depth of knowledge that Alexa doesn't have. Right. So like Absolutely. you look at the chart of like ask a random question to a thing and Google will get it right more often. Sure. But like, you think like about facts. but think about yeah. it this way, like oh I've definitely been drinking because here's my idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> so like the goal is like they replace a butler. Like you have a butler there in your house. It's got a shoes. Butler, it's that a dog. Shoes. <laughs> a butler that wears shoes. It's a dog with shoes, right? Like, like very obviously Bixby is the goal. Um, no, like the goal is like you have this like butler who's like caring for you, yeah. right? Literally the way Alexa's architected is more things happen locally, right? right? So you're like, Alexa, turn on the lights. It actually sends it over UPnP like on your local network. It never goes to the cloud. The, like These things just happen. It's like in your house. Alexa's in your house. Run. Um, <laughs> Google is like super cloud oriented. So you're like, Google, turn on the light. It goes to a cloud. It wants to talk to 
Belkin's API service, it comes back down. And that lag, that round trip lag through the cloud is actually very slow. And it makes Google seem super thirsty because A, you're saying the brand name. And then Google's like, let me think about your request. And like just that lag because Google's all happening. And like there's some, I think there's some like UPnP stuff that Assistant will do, but its default is to figure it out in a cloud. Yeah. Whereas Alexa's default, like you never actually have to install skills. Like I have. Well, yeah, but that's how Google was architected from the jump. You don't. No, no, but I mean, like, I have. I think it's a a Wemo outlet in my house. Yeah. Um, And I never installed the skill. Right. I just said discover the device. I hate to tell you this, but that only exists for the top two hundred skills. They made those automatic. The rest you still have to install. No, but there's no one by one. No, no, there's no skill at all. There's no cloud service. I never set up the cloud service. They only did did that for the top like one or two hundred things that work with Alexa. Everything else is still a skill. It's not as automatic as Google's is. Uh, right, so I'm with oh, you. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that automation yeah. is Alexa's doing it on the local network without ever talking to a cloud service. Okay. Google's automation is like, we are aware of all the cloud services. So like Google like lives in the cloud. A bunch of Alexa stuff just like lives in your house. Let me step back. That just makes it faster. A half a step. Yeah. This argument that we're having is fascinating in the context of the fact that we were, we've been talking about Apple like being the surprise of the show for putting AirPlay and everything. But Siri is a non-entity in this discussion. Yeah, we we've, we've joked about Bixby, like we're we're creeping up and making a joke about Cortana. We're talking about Alexa versus Google in a deeply nerdy way, and Siri is just nowhere. Yeah, but there is a bunch of HomeKit stuff here. There is a bunch of HomeKit stuff, and that's right, because which is different. But it's like also good. Like I I prefer using HomeKit to control my smart home. Yeah. HomeKit by my far voice. is the fastest. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you if you are an iPhone user and you want to set up stuff in your home, you are uh, much going to be much happier if you get HomeKit compatible stuff. It integrates with your iPhone easier. You can use Siri and stuff like that, and it's it's faster. Uh, and we we are seeing a ton of HomeKit stuff here at the show, uh, particularly because Apple talked about this a long time ago that they were changing the way HomeKit certification worked to be software only based. That finally rolled out mid twenty eighteen. So here are all the products that are actually using it. Yeah. So you were seeing power strips and light switches and, and fan switches and all this stuff that have had Alexa and Google Assistant integration for years are finally getting HomeKit as well. Right. Yeah. HomeKit is by far the fast. It's like instantaneously fast, whereas even asking Alexa to turn off my Christmas lights, it's like. It's think. instantaneously fast as long as you can like find the right button in the stupid Apple Home app, which is the worst. <laughs> yes, I think Apple should redesign its entire interface. Okay. okay. On that note. Mm-hmm. We're going to read an ad. Okay. When we come back, we're talking about some gadgets. It's going to be great. This episode of Vershast is brought to you by Microsoft Service Pro 6, the laptop to get if you need to get stuff done. With an eighth generation Intel Core processor, it's the fastest, most powerful Surface Pro ever. And at just under two and a half pounds, the Surface lets you work wherever you want, your office, at the airport, or just hanging out on the couch, Dan. With up to 13 and a half hours of battery life, whatever you're doing, you'll do it uninterrupted. Daniel, do everything you need, even if it's a million things at once, with the power and speed of the new Surface Pro 6. Let's talk about some gadgets. Yeah. Dami, I want to start with you. Okay. I think you've been seeing the silliest, most interesting gadgets here so far. Sure. And I want to start with the Foldamate. 
man. Which you, which you saw last year. I did. You saw two laundry folding gadgets last year. It was one of two year. laundry folding machines I saw last year. Only one, one which, survived the year? Only one survived this year uh, because I broke the other one last year. <laughs> it was $16,000. That one actually, uh, they said they used AI to pick up <laughs> the clothes and determine which way to best fold it. And then I put in a Verge, like a black Verge t-shirt and it ended up confusing its cameras. So it like broke the thing and then a bunch of engineers had to run in and like figure out how to detangle it from the machine. Um, so that company is not here this year. And instead we have Foldimate, which is back for the third time <laughs> with a working prototype this there year. It actually works this year. And it was it was like kind of impressive, you know, I'm, I'm eating my shorts and uh, I mean, it takes five seconds to fold those shorts. It's like very, I can imagine them using it in like retail stores um, for like retail employees who have to do a ton of folding or in like laundromats, you know, but I definitely wouldn't have it in my home because it costs a thousand dollars and it's the size of, you know, like a washer, an entire washer. So now if you want your shorts folded, do you just, can you just like ball them up and chuck them in a hole? Or That's do you need to like lay them down? Me? Oh, you mean like it, with the, with the machine? Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. When you want your shorts folded, do you ball them up and chuck them in a hole? That's what I usually do. I mean, what kind of hole do you have in your apartment? I live in New York. There's holes everywhere. (laughs) It was a lot. Anyway, you have to to, like feed them in. Yes, you have to individually clip each item on, which is you know not ideal. But um, I was putting in like a pair of pants today, and then the CEO was like, "Oh, you have to put it in this way, like backwards, um, upside down." So I did that, and it worked. But are they going to yeah. ship it for $1,000? That's to be seen. Maybe, okay. you know. Year even, four. Yeah. So I have we'll to see. say, I, I saw, you know, our footage and I saw you do it and it spit out. I, you put the t-shirt in, it sucked it in five minutes, five seconds later, it spit out the folded t-shirt. Five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. <laughs> uh, the AI is like, I don't know. But it did <laughs> fold it very good. Right. Okay. It's so like there's huge. no AI in this machine. It's really, I don't know what's inside it. It's got to be some sort of like. Robotic. I don't know. It's a child. That's what I was thinking. I was like, what is the catch this year? Because it is big yeah. enough to fit a child, but I'm sure it's not a child. The like most I, innocent I, things I, like, I saw is. the thing spit out, and I was like, I was looked at it. And I'm like, yeah. to fit that in my drawer, yeah. I have to refold it. Like, it very much <laughs> depends on how neatly you clip it in. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, so there's a, a lot of um, effort involved on your part, you know. But more than folding the shirt in the first place. Yeah, actually, like when I'm <laughs> folding my shirt, when I'm folding my laundry at home, usually I'll just like do it in front of the TV. Like I'm sitting on my couch and yeah. I take my time with it. But I mean, the folding, you have to be standing to clip on each <laughs> item. And I don't want to be standing <laughs> when I do that. So the thing I think about CS every year is what is it like? What's the thing here that like the local news will take away from CS? Right. Or we were just having a drink with our friend David Pierce. Like, what's the thing that like the Wall Street Journal is gonna be like at CES? Folded laundry, a thing of the past. You know, like what's that headline that hits like that really big? And it's it is like the laundry folding machine. Uh, Bell Helicopters is here. They have a giant fiberglass fake Uber. There is car. a yacht in the North Hall. Yeah, there's like a bunch of. So the okay. question is, is this like the dumb thing that happens for the local news or is this like a real thing? I really think it would be helpful for, you know, retailers, maybe like in the back room and like, yeah. you know, people can fold clothes in the back. <laughs> At least for it. That's like I the feel- kiss of death. You're like, this would be great for like lazy gap employees. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That, no, I mean, tiny I'm, you know me, I'm always thinking of the lazy gap employees. <laughs> exactly. uh, okay. 
So that's, I just wanted, it's th- it's like many years of you covering the laundry <laughs> machines. I can't wait to cover it next year. Yeah, they're going to try again. They're like, look, no baby inside the machine. But you also covered a bunch of really interesting tablet things. Yeah. I'm very interested in your take on this okay. new Wacom tablet. Okay, so Wacom has a new Cintiq 16 that is pretty much their most affordable tablet ever. So it's meant to be for people like me who, I mean, I mostly just just draw like pretty simple 2D cartoons. Um, so I've had the same old like bamboo tablet. It's it's like three years old and um, I eat soup on top of it sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I treat it like shit. And then this tablet bridges the gap between, you know, these amateur, um, like maybe hobbyists, who, people who draw for fun to their next big like creative device. And before that, price difference was like so steep like the maybe the cheapest Wacom tablet you could have gotten was like a thousand dollar in um like a Cintiq 22 or something and this is like the most affordable it's ever been um and I think it's gonna be like pretty popular for you know most artists why is it more affordable is it smaller so it's not 4k like their other Cintiq (laughs) tablets it's yeah it's 2k but it it is it does give you the sense that you are kind of stepping up your creative uh, career like there's a difference between drawing on a tablet like the bamboo that I have which is you know you're drawing on a separate tablet that connects to the computer uh, with a cable and you have to be looking at the screen while you're drawing where a Cintiq 16 is like a pen input like they have such like difficult naming devices like this is a pen display whereas a bamboo is a pen tablet so a pen display lets you draw directly on the screen and um, yeah it's just super affordable I think um, it's probably going to be like a really good. How much is it for them? It's six hundred fifty dollars. Okay, and that's super affordable in this. It is affordable for Wacom, which is it's expensive, but I mean all of their product quality is great. There's a lot of like cheaper like Chinese tablets like Huion that make the same thing for a lot cheaper, like hundreds of dollars cheaper. But um, Wacom, you know, there is that you know kind of brand name value and a lot of like industry uh, professionals like use it like Spider-Man uh Into the Spider-Verse was made with you know Wacom products as are like pretty much everything you see like on CES like has to be a, it had to have been designed like on a Wacom right. yeah. yeah okay so stupidest question ever okay this thing is 650 or so right yeah i um an artist i'm pretty good i had some old busted thing and i'm ready to go buy something new why do I need to spend sixty in this instead of three twenty nine plus a ninety nine dollar Apple Pencil on an iPad? Okay, the the iPad, the three hundred twenty nine dollar iPad is it's not very fast. Or oh, okay. okay, I think wasn't it like you can only have three apps like running at once? Well, there's that, but yeah. like just in, like the drawing I mean, experience is different too. It, right? The drawing experience is different because it's a lot smaller. The screen is oh, okay. way smaller, yeah. but. I mean, that iPad is really great. I mean, I generally think it's a great new product for artists. And it, you know, really makes having a tablet, like, super affordable. But I personally don't draw on an iPad just because uh, I don't really like the experience of drawing on, like, such a small uh, screen. Well, I have, like, a 9.7, I think. I should have gotten a bigger one. But also, it just doesn't have the keyboard shortcuts that I use. So when I use my Bamboo tablet, I'm constantly, like, doing... Uh, control Z on my keyboard, and you just don't have that um, flexibility right. with the iPad. Huh? Yeah, the Cintiq like mirrors your display, right? Like you yeah. put Photoshop right. on it, like 
the iPad is like still an iPad. Right. Yeah. The iPad doesn't have Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's like That's real, the biggest like, thing. It doesn't have the software. Like, if Apple built the software that let the iPad do the thing that Cintiq did, I think this conversation would be different. Right. But I don't think that's ever going to happen just because we've already seen the version of Photoshop that's coming to the iPad and it's not the same thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a real womp womp with the iPad. Yeah. Every time I talk to Dami about it, she's like, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. It's fine. Honestly, like, I don't touch it unless I'm traveling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then you also looked at something called the iSlate, yes. iSkin Slate Repaper yes. Dash the Slate. <laughs> what? That's what I have written down. Here. Okay, so it's just the slate repaper, and it's made yeah. by a French startup called iSkin, and uh, they actually launched their first product in um, 2015 as a Kickstarter, and this is the fourth generation of their tablet, which uh, you can put in like a piece of paper and draw on top of it with any pen or pencil that you own, and it comes with this magnetic ring that you fit onto your own tools, and the it. There's magnets on the tablet which which show like where you're drawing, so the really? strokes show up on the screen. Is it also pressure sensitive? Yes. So the what? the newest generation is pressure sensitive, and they actually sold the last one like in the MoMA design store. It's like really cool. Um, but yeah, I tried I tested it out a couple years ago, and back then it was a little bit buggy. Um, but I tried it out again this year, and I really like it. And you can also um, unplug it from the computer and. Um, you know, take it with you to a cafe. It's portable, and when you draw, all the all the strokes get saved inside of the SD card. That's like it's it gets saved internally. So when you come back to your computer and you plug it in, it'll like automatically upload. What does it upload? Like, what's the format? Uh, I think it you can export it into um, like pretty much any uh, format, file format. But um, it only works with the companion app, so you can't work. You can't oh, use I like see. Photoshop with it. Got it. Yeah, and the companion app isn't like you know, super art friendly, I would say, <laughs> but it is a neat concept and, you know, maybe good for like parents who don't trust their kids with iPads just yet. Or, you know, it's like for me, Wait, I don't trust you an iPad. I'm going to give you this like magnet ring okay. to put on a pencil and okay, like well, wander the streets of New York sketching. <laughs> I mean, this is how I'm raising my child. Yeah. You don't get an iPad. You must sketch and sketch alone. That's how you learn. Yeah. That's how you learn, baby. And they'll be like, what's a computer? <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Poor Max. Oh. Did you like it? Yeah, I okay, and it's also really cool because you don't have to draw on paper with it. You can also just use it as a regular tablet. Right. And it's $200, which is about the same price as like a Wacom um Intuos. Yeah. So, I think it's great. Cool. Yeah. Well, is it shipping or is it like so out in the world? The third generation is already out, but the fourth one is coming out sometime in September. Okay. Yeah. So, ways away. It's a little bit yeah, a ways away. We saw a prototype today, but I think, you know, the it's like the true CS story. It's like, mm-hmm. here's some prototype that kind of works. Just trust us. The last like gadget I really want to talk to you about is um, the Baco Emo. Yes. What is the emo, Baco Emo? Short for emotional. Of course. <laughs> of course. And it's a little robot that honestly, like, okay, it doesn't have Alexa. And uh, maybe that's a good thing. But it's kind of meant for checking up, up on your elderly uh, the elderly folks. Um, it comes with four sensors that are detached from this little robot. It's a really cute little robot. It looks like a snowman. And there's four different sensors that uh, detect like light, movement. It 
sends out notifications through a companion app. Of course. Of course. And it tells you like, oh, like grandma like left the house today or like. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but it's really cute. And it reacts to uh, the tone of your voice. So if you're like, I don't like that, it'll like put its head down and like make a sad noise. It doesn't talk, but you can record voice messages on an app and it'll play like through the, the robot. And um, yeah, apparently it's been out for some time in Japan. So they work with this security company called Secom, which is like their ADT, I guess. And yeah. um, apparently uh, the elderly folk over there can speak with those like Secom customer care people wow. whenever they're feeling lonely, like through this robot. There's, it's got this like uh, play button where you can like hold it down and it can be like... Hello. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's not for like emergencies or anything like that. It's just like people who are standing by out. who like want to keep, you know, the elderly like. I will say a, a theme of CS I've noticed is like the tech industry's recognition that like mortality is inevitable. Right. Yeah. Like, Andrew, was it you at uh, our producer, Andrew, sitting here? Was it you at Envailed who was like, so many devices here are designed to like tell you that you're sleeping shitty. And that when you fall down, your children should be notified. Yeah, there's a lot of fall detection. Like, yeah. not just stuff you wear, but, like, robots with cameras that are just, like, watching you all the time. And if they hear or see you fall, they'll, like, tune yeah. over to you be like, are you okay <laughs> over there? And then you say no, and then they, like, call for help. <laughs> yeah. And this one's like, are you an, a lonely elderly person? Yeah. This corporation will keep you company by talking to a snowman that's sometimes sad. And they will Uber a grandkid over to you. By the way, uh, the Uber, I Googled this while we were talking. Yeah. I'm so sorry to report this. It's bad news. Not real. The Uber for grandkids service is called Papa. No. No. <laughs> how, do you, how is that spelled? P-A-P-A. Okay. Alexis O'Hanian's an investor. The reason I read about it is because he was recently profiled. And like, it's like a thing. You should read the profile of Alexis. He's like, it's a good profile. He's a good dude. We, like, whatever. There's a whole Johnny Johnny thing here that we could do if we but, wanted to but papa is a service that operates in florida oh. of seniors. course it had to be florida yeah we don't yet have robot snowmen who are sometimes okay. sad for them i thought you were gonna say the the service shut down no no it's very real it's doing quite okay. well <sighs> it's, very, it's good for them um but i'm sorry oh but yeah i should mention that this robot is made by the same people who brought to you brought us the Tail, the cat tail, the wagging cat tail. Oh, pillow. the cat tail is amazing. Yeah, and that pillow is also kind of like for therapy purposes. It's for keeping like people in nursing homes yeah. happy. Yeah, um, and it's very like, you, charming. Tell the listeners what the cat tail robot is. The cat tail robot is a pillow that is shaped like a headless cat, and when you pet it, it kind of purrs and wags its tail. Yes, that's it. Yeah, it was good. That's the end. We spent a lot of time with it. We really office. did. Yeah. Everyone in our office was like quite taken with it. Uh, I think Jake took it home. Or somebody <laughs> took it home and their actual cat was afraid of it. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. All right. More CS gadgets. Daniel. Yes. Uh, we're hard shift from cat robot <laughs> to gaming PCs. You can still oh, hug yes. a gaming PC. You can hug Just a gaming PC. It won't, get, it won't hug you back. Uh, It'll I get will really say hot and warm though. Jake has yes. also taken a gaming PC home and his cat was afraid of it. <laughs> Uh, but you want to talk about the Area Area 51M, which yeah. is like quite a laptop. It is quite a lot. It's barely a laptop. Like I mean, it's like one of those gaming PCs that's like you don't move, but it is a laptop in that it is an all-in-one thing with a clamshell that opens, and yes, you could play it on your lap for like 90 minutes before the battery dies, which is like every gaming PC, right? But this one, you can actually take out the processor and take out the graphics chip and upgrade them in the future, Why? which like you could never do with a laptop before because Alienware says like, you know, 
people want to invest in these computers. They cost thousands of dollars, but then in two years they're outdated. You can't upgrade the GPU. And then you like, you're getting like sniped by a 12 year old in Fortnite four or whatever it is. That's not because my GPU sucks. Well, I mean, yes, but you can't, I am personally, but you can now blame the GPU and then go buy a new laptop. So, so this one, they put them, they put the processor and the GPU on these modular boards and you can take the whole thing apart really easily. It has like standard screws. It doesn't use that weird stuff that Apple uses. And it doesn't have like stickers that like get in your way and stuff. And you can just open it up and you can take these boards out and you could put in, in theory, a new board with the new chip on it and pop it in there and upgrade your computer. Will they actually make these boards? That is like the question. They say they will make them. Like uh-huh. right now, the the machine that we saw, the Area 51M that will be able to be purchased soon or whatever, um, has a desktop Core i9 processor and has the new RTX 2080 GPU. Like Damn. This, is, this thing is a monster. Like it's, it's, it ain't going to be cheap. So it's a tower PC with like a foldable LCD out the side. Basically. Yeah. But, you know... In two years, when the 2080 is like old and creaky, and yeah. you want to get a new one, the question is: You don't need the, a new screen. You don't need a new right, motherboard. Your keyboard's you fine. Don't need your, a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Your right. screen's fine. You know, you just want to upgrade your GPU. The GPU has to fit on that modular piece that Dell designed, and so the question is: Will Nvidia's next generation GPU fit on that modular board? Alienware with Dell says. If it does, we're doing it. We will make an upgrade. If it doesn't, and it's like a technical constraint, we can't, you know, mm-hmm. make it like fit on there. We we're kind of stuck. We don't know because we don't know their roadmap. But like they're like, as long as it fits on the board, don't we're gonna ask? put it in. Jensen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seems like a talkative dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, it's a good question. All right. They seem pretty confident that they can like you know keep the same size boards for the processors you know, for yeah. a little while yeah. because those don't really change size all that often. I think the GPU is the big question mark, but the GPU is also the one that people want to upgrade the most often. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a really cool idea. It looks really it cool. It looks really cool. It looks really neat. It's, of course, it's got some lighting on it, but it's got some better design than Alienware's had lately. And like, you know, the fact that they are actually trying to make this problem of gaming laptops that cost a ton of money and then get outdated so quickly, uh, they're trying to solve it. So, you know... It, they're doing a clever way to do it. Whether it's going to be successful or not, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's probably the most interesting laptop here. And there's a lot of laptops here. There are a lot of laptops yeah. here. Um, I'm quite taken with the fact that Dell fixed the XPS 13. It only took them four years. Four years of me complaining about the webcam being in the wrong spot. It was they like you. They like moved it over. It was on the left side. They're like, oh, we'll move it to the middle. And I'm like, nope, nope, that ain't it, guys. And then they uh, you know, finally put it back on top. You know what's exciting about this, Tan? In another four years, they're going to switch away from 16 by 9 screens. Maybe! <laughs> if only I could be happy. I feel like there's a bunch of Lenovo news. You actually have this like weird leather HP PC here. The, yeah, this was not announced at CES. I know, but, but I just, I'm just staring at it. It is a very cool PC. Because you are it's, aggressively using a leather computer right now. I am aggressively using a leather computer, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a laptop that's when something to my is own pretty heart. cool. You say it's pretty cool <laughs> in a questioning way. I like it. I like the leather, but like I like it too. It looks cool. You're but good, we're not here. You're fine. That. All right. Well, but, what, so Lenovo like, did a bunch of stuff. So Lenovo's got a bunch of new stuff. The S nine forty. The S nine forty. We should talk about that really for a second. Slick. Yeah. It's uh, so we were talking about before the podcast. Uh, sometimes yoga books are uh, <laughs> they're bad, and you never know. Like 
Lenovo will be like, all right, here's the new yoga. It's high end. And you're like, sweet. And then you're like, oh, you lied this time. <laughs> and sometimes they give you a new yoga book and you're like, the tie end. And you're like, oh, actually, yes, it is. Good yeah. job, guys. And the S940, so far as we could tell, is definitely the high end one of these. They fixed the bezel problem. They Just they, like Dell finally yep. fixed the webcam on the XPS 13. Lenovo fixed the bezel problem. It's another on one with a nega notch. It's got a nega notch. It I doesn't. Hate this it phrase. doesn't have a big chin at the bottom like Dummy, the other ones had. We've we've we're trying to d- decide. When, There's only when, one right answer. When okay. so when you have a webcam at the top of a laptop uh-huh. and it like actually sticks up from the top of the laptop. I'm trying to ESP the right answer sure. to you right now. It, you it. Like like you can barely see it in, in this picture. Why would they there? do that? There you go. Why would they do it. that? Nailed it. Can you it's, put it back? <laughs> no, but like you either have the entire top of it be just an even hunk of plastic or you like slim the bezels down so it looks like you've got a nice bigger screen and a smaller, smaller bezel on the top. And then yeah. you just make a little... At the top, like Star Wars, at the top. And the question is, what do you call that bump at the top of the screen? I call it a handle for opening it. And I think oh. it should be called a nega notch, because instead of a notch going oh. down into the screen, it's a reverse yeah. notch. That's a good one. I, yeah. Damn it. I, I like there it now. Nega notch. of the name. Uh, <laughs> all that ESP energy. I'm exhausted now. The I've, been, I've, been, I've been concentrating in Dominic's direction for like seven minutes. I have to like lie down on the floor. Yep. Like a superhero is like out of juice. This pitch really sold yeah, no, it's, it's got the nega notch, and it has a 2.5D screen, so yeah. the glass actually curves back a little bit, which makes the bezels look even smaller. Yeah, uh, this is we've also seen this on the Pixel Slate, which is a garbage device, but this seems good. <laughs> okay, it's actually, also it probably on most phones that you've. Reminds you've maybe me of used a Manila familiar. folder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it's a yeah. Little, you know, it's in a that Manila folder, they, they should put it. They should put it on the side. They should put it on the side like a Chrome tab. No, 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 no. Okay. no. Keep it in the middle. Keep it in the middle. <laughs> we don't need them moving the, the webcam. The webcam needs a. I don't know why it, it reminds me of Star Wars, but there's something. Yeah, about I didn't like, understand I that, that reference. No, there's I, something. I get that, that, there's that something about the like the, the art, the design of the, like yeah. the physical thing where it's just like there's a random trapezoid just for the hell of it. Yeah, that feels like Star Wars. To I me. agree. Yeah. I, get, I get that vibe. All of this would have been a great conversation if you didn't insist on calling it the Nega Notch. Well, <laughs> but now I'm just not going to engage. Well, like, a month from now, you're going to see a laptop has, and you're going to think in your head, oh, they got a Nega Notch. The Nega Notch also has Windows Hello. It so. is fully incepted cool. into your mind. We used to be such good friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and now it's over. It's, and I just want everyone to know this is where it ended. Okay. Lastly, Dieter. Oh, God. There has been some more 5G drama today. <laughs> 5G? <laughs> I, I I think I'm the only one on our staff who sat through the entire Verizon press conference. No, Chris Welch was there in person. The only one on this podcast who sat through the entire... <laughs> it's true. Chris Welch was there in person. He said the only thing this was good for was taking photos of Hans Vestberg, who's the new CEO of yep. uh, Verizon. So Hans Vestberg... Who is? The new CEO of Verizon. Right. He took over about six months ago. Oh, he's the one who came in and was like, this Oath AOL Yahoo thing is yeah. dumb. Um, he, he was the one. He was previously the CTO. Yeah. He is Swedish. He definitely pronounces it 5G in his like adorable Swedish accent. Yeah. Before, and I just, I just, I just need to let everyone know this. He is one of the first executives at Verizon to like hold this position. It's not like an engineering background. He's like the CFO of Ericsson. And then this is true. This is directly from the Wikipedia page with citations to real sources. Uh-huh. He was previously the chairman of the Swedish Handball Federation. Wow. No way. This is a fact. He also showed up for the <laughs> keynote wearing a black t-shirt with the V Verizon logo. Oh, yeah. He got, he got John Ledger out. Yeah, yeah. He's like trying to be John Ledger. It's not, um, not you're not that, I mean, not that John Ledger is cool. Look, Sorry, he's a he's Swedish not. handball 
executive. Yeah. What uh, does that mean? But he's also like a, he's a, huh? A handball executive? I have he, was a, never, he was a president, the chairman of the Swedish Handball I have never met a Swedish person who he wasn't left, cooler than me. He left the Swedish Handball Federation to serve as president of the Swedish Olympic Committee from 2016 to 2018. He had previously played semi-pro handball in Brazil. I'm sure he was like running his career at Ericsson during the same time. But it's just like very fun. Anyway, uh, Hans Westberg, just imagine a handball player. Which everyone can do instinctively. <laughs> he's on stage. He's wearing his like cool Verizon shirt. He's got his cool hair. He's got his cool accent. He's five gear over and over again. Verizon today took a shot at AT and T like super hard. Yeah. Sprint today took a shot at AT and T super hard. When you are getting made fun of by Sprint, <laughs> you've definitely lost. So if you don't remember from yesterday's episode mm-hmm. of the Rochecast, AT and T is lying about five G on its phones. They literally issued a software update to the Galaxy S eight Active. The the S8 Active, not the S9, yeah. just the S8 Active, which is like the rugged Galaxy S8, uh, the V, the LG V40, and like two or three other phones. It literally just changes the 4G icon to a 5G E icon. Yep. And so all the other major carriers in America are now like, they're lying to you. When, o- when other major carriers are being like, lies are bad. <laughs> I love this. It's like the carrier that has... Not one, not two, but three different plans it calls unlimited <laughs> is telling you that you're lying to your customers. Yeah. Lies are bad. Um, T-Mobile, which previously had lied to its own customers about yeah. G's, started this. So this is way. this is like the context of Hans Westberg on stage. Today. Yeah. No one believes the G's. No one believes the G's. So he's like, here's the real 5G. <laughs> it's like how he pronounces it. Here's the real 5G. And this is true. This is a real thing that happened. He's like... Here's a 10-minute technical discussion about how it's going to give you 10x battery life and super speeds uh, and low latency. Verizon, if you don't remember, owns Yahoo. So they had, like, Yahoo Sports on stage. They brought, like, a Laker, like a Los Angeles Laker on stage, and he was wearing, uh, like, a VR headset. And the camera in the headset was streaming to the cloud and then back to the displays over 5G so that to prove how low latency is, and they made him shoot like baskets. It's just a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, look how low latency it is. Like, he's shooting baskets. It's fine. Great. Cool. And then he's like, we're going to now do something really special. And they placed a call to the first 5G, Verizon 5G customer. He's in Houston. He's at his house. It's like a floppy-haired dude with two monitors. And the video call was so laggy that they kept talking oh, over no. each other. <laughs> it was like, I was like, oh, I feel so bad for everyone. He's like, how's the speeds? And the guy's like, hello? <laughs> No bees. <laughs> uh, so that that was that was our first like real big five G moment today. I'm excited to just call it, keep calling it five G for the rest of the time. Has anybody done a good five G demo yet? Because all the demos that Sean Hollister saw in Hawaii turned out to be not good or not real, and now we have the CES keynote five G demo with the very first real customer, and there was lag. It's like, where do you, what do you blame that lag on? Do you blame that lag on the, the it was 5G like, it was, connection there, or do you blame it on like CES? There was some guy backstage who like had like the patching wrong on the board. Or he just thing. super thought the customer was going to swear at Hans Vesper. <laughs> it's like the, the, the 10 second delay of like, I hate you. You're overcharging me. He's like muting him really fast. Um, no, I, I, who knows what you can blame. That's like a super demo fail, but that was like the moment, right? Like, the CEO of Verizon, which is all in on, on 5G, he took over. He's like shutting down the media business. He's like, we're a network company. This is what we do. 
It's a whole thing. Here's our first real 5G customer. Screw you, AT&T, you're liars. And he was like, hello, Carl. And the guy was like, yes. <laughs> like, that, like, Dieter and I just sat there being like, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. And it, it happened was. a lot. And the guy, he's like, how are the speeds? And there's like eight seconds of silence. And the guy's like, I've been getting pretty good speeds. And he's like, I'm going to run a speed test. And he like hit it. And the speed test started running in the background. And you can like see it on one of those two monitors. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I've been getting between 600 and like 1.2. And like right then, the big speed test number hit 1.7 like gigabits down and like wow Verizon like someone's at his house just like <laughs> shoving bits into his computer but then it's like started slowing down really fast and it ended on like 620 and then Hans Vestberg is like thank you <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a lot today but a good 5 gig keynote yeah I saw it, it's the story of CS I was on a panel this morning to talk to like industry types of 5G Dieter was on like 18 podcasts this afternoon talking about 5G yeah I Here's the thing. I'm going to put Neli and Dami and Dan on the spot. For a mi- You get one minute to think, and we'll sit here in silence together. If you're in your car, pull over and th- pause. This is think for a minute. You have 10 seconds to answer this very simple question. What is 5G? Okay, it's like three seconds and we're stopping this. The answer is no one knows, and it's just in your heart. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one more than before. Yeah. yeah. And that's like where CES is as a thing. Verizon and T-Mobile want to tell you it's like a technological innovation. The cable companies want to talk to you about 10G. I don't even no, know. No, it's not a thing. No, yeah, 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 there. Uh, yep. Can I go talk to cable companies tomorrow? <laughs> yes, okay. please do. All right, we got to end the verge cast because I need to go to sleep because I'm talking to cable companies tomorrow. <laughs> I will tell you that the, the story of CES that is happening under all the stuff we've talked about is everyone here all the like marketing people, all the company executives, their money comes from talking about 5G. Yeah. It's like flooding and we are not talking about it except for these hilarious anecdotes because it's just not real yet. Yeah. And it's years away and yet that's like the heartbeat of CS is like everyone's on a panel being like the 5G future. Yeah. It's a thing. What, what what's your answer by the way? It is a shared delusion that technology makes things amazing. Dieter also also microcells. I would like everyone to tweet at Dieter and tell him if he did a good job or a bad job on the Verge cast today. <laughs> I, I know my answer. I'm. Ve- I mean, I'm. You're fine. Wow. You're. I think you did. A, I think just, you did fine. If if you think I did a good job, just tweet the word Neganach. I hate you so much. At reckless. All right, we're done with today's Verge cast. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, Dami. It was wonderful. We've got some more stuff from CES coming. Ashley and Caitlin are doing Why'd You Push That Button live in front of an audience tomorrow morning. You'll be able to hear that on their feed. Yep. We're doing some stuff at the Google stage. We'll find a way for you to listen to at some point. It'll be a thing. You can listen to Function with Neil Dash, which is also happening. Actually, taped today. That'll be out. You can listen to Pivot, K-Swish, Scott Gals. I'm telling you, you called her that. There's all kinds of stuff happening. All kinds of audio experiences for you to have. A child in a box will fold your socks for you. Oh, man. (laughs) It's going to be great. That's it. We've got more interviews from CS. We'll be back very soon. Thank you for listening. This is Vergecast Rock and Roll. Paul. Say promo code. Paul.
This episode of The Vergecast was sponsored by the new Microsoft Surface Pro 6. The Surface Pro 6 can help you get things done, whether you're on the field or running a business, like Brian Arakpo and Michael Griffin, for example, two former NFL teammates who opened up a cupcake shop in Texas. They use the Surface Pro 6 to do everything they need from setting schedules to creating promotions for social media and designing new flavors. It's light, super fast, and has a great battery life. I'm not talking about the cupcakes. I'm talking about the Surface Pro 6. Tackle your passions with the power and speed of the Microsoft Service Pro 6.